Hello folks, welcome along once more to another edition of the Irish F1 show. As always, in association with PFT Travel, Tech and Tools, Palastorage.ie, Richard Carney Engineering, Deliver It, KSMPM and Rapco. And of course you can get us at Irish F1 show on Facebook, Instagram and on Twitter. I'm joined this evening by Richard Carney and Barry Rabbit. Lads, you are very welcome as always. How's things? All good, good evening. How are we? We're good. I should say thanks to Mike Dermody as well, who deputised um, a couple of weeks back and did a fine job as well. I must say, I did, I did like the dynamic of uh, of the three years there. I thought it worked quite well. And fair play to Mike. Never never in doubt. Did you enjoy that one, lads? Yeah. yeah. yeah Mike, 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 careful uh, now. Careful now. Yeah, Mike was the uh, Nico Hulkenberg of the Irish F1 show there. Wasn't he super <laughs> sub for a while? So he did a grand job. Yeah. Fair play, Mike. Yeah, no, it was uh, a great listen. Yeah, great, great listen, Richie. Um, and listen, boys. I mean, in terms of um, races, we've we've plenty of, of talking points after after Qatar. I mean, it's not exactly drama over who's won, but we should say congratulations to Max Verstappen, shock horror, world champion, <laughs> but three in a row. So we'll uh, we won't take that away from fair play to him. It is it is a fair achievement when it's all said and done. Um, I mean, I feel like the elephant in the room is is the heat, and we've we've seen and heard a lot of reaction. After the race, uh, we could talk about a few different things, but I would like to, to chat about that for us because at the end of the day, I mean, it's a it's a welfare issue. Um, I don't know about you guys. I, I've been to that part of the world and it's fairly, fairly intense now in terms of heat. And I can't imagine what it's like with a race suit and inside in a car. But when you hear about guys getting sick in a helmet and going around for the majority of the race like that, um, and lads, you know, wobbling, getting out of a car and having to retire. Richie, it doesn't look good, does it? No, and to be fair, we've all we've all had that getting sick in the helmet and wobbling when you get out of the car, but it was nothing got to do with fucking heat, I can tell you. Was it to do with um maybe something like this, Richie? Or <laughs> would that bring the sport I'm into disrepute? No, I know, no, no, on a serious note, like um, yeah, in fairness. I would say that hour and 40 minutes that those 22 or you know, 20 starters setting cars, that pure torture to every one of them. And I mean torture. Like Barry, Barry drives an F3. I, buy, I drive a lot tamer car than that. Um, even in our extreme heat this year in Ireland, you know, we're doing 20, 25 minute races, whatever it is. You're probably sitting in the car 40 minutes in total and like it's, it's fucking horrendous. So, uh, just imagine what them guys went through for an hour and forty minutes. Like, you, would you sit in a sauna for an hour and forty minutes, non-stop? Really? We want well to survive it anyway. You know, Most, that's the whole, uh, all of it. And it had to be in the way it felt like. You know. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great way of describing it, I suppose. So, Baz, like, I mean, something like that. To me, who doesn't have any sort of a racing background, looks. Very, very uncomfortable. And I'm sure it feels no less for, for the guys actually getting sick in the helmets and, and falling around the place afterwards. Um, What's your views on it? Yeah, I think it was a bit of a perfect storm um, of a scenario that caused it. Um, it you know, it's it was very hot. We all know that in terms of temperatures, despite it being a night race. Um, I heard kind of high 30s and there's, you know, centigrade sort of temperatures, which is which is very, very warm. We all know that. Um. But there was another mitigating factor there, which was the the tire situation that forced the eighteen lap um maximum stint stint length, and I think that was probably a big contributing factor um along with the heat, because uh, what it meant was that for so long now we've been watching F one where the the drivers are 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 driving to a to a lap time that's given to them. It's it's like a, a marathon runner, you know he he doesn't run that particularly fast, but he runs at a pace that's, you know, that overall is the quickest way of getting through, through a marathon. Say now he doesn't run that fast. It's three by me and a half feet, I'm sure, but relatively, (laughs) relative to a Usain Bolt and a hundred meters type of thing, you know, it's, it's about getting to the end of the race as quick as possible as a whole. And F1 has gone that way the last few years. Um, And you can tell that by just looking at the difference between, you know, lap times during a race versus qualifying times. Um, what I noticed at the weekend on, on Sunday's race was that the the fastest laps of the race were pinging back and forth much more regularly between the grid. Um, normally, it'd be three or four guys that have a bite at the, at the fastest lap and then someone does one at the end, maybe. It was mm-hmm. pinging, the little purple dot was pinging around the place much, much more um, 
consistently throughout the race, let's say. And the lap times themselves weren't far off. I didn't look at it, but I think some of them were within less than a second of pole time, um, considering heavier fuel loads and everything else in tyre age. So having to push for the whole hour and 40 minutes in, in itself at any track would have been a big departure from what most of the races has been of lately. Throw into it that it was probably the hottest race of the year. And I think that's why we ended up with the, you know, with, with the, the situation that we had um, with, with drivers feeling unwell and in Logan Sargent's case, not being able to make it to the end of the race. Um, but it's nothing we haven't seen before. I mean, you just got to go back and you'll see pictures of Senna in Brazil literally having to be lifted out of the car and mm-hmm. um, various other Mansell and stuff over the years collapsing when they get out of cars. Um, it's it's nothing new. I don't think we need to panic about it. I don't think we need to change the rules. Um, I think it just, I mean, as we said and the, just before we came on air, Alonso was the oldest man in the grid and he looked like he was the one that handled it the best in terms of just how he appeared on the TV afterwards. So uh, I'd say it probably caught a couple of the young books by surprise what it's like to, to do an hour and 40 of qualifying laps. Um, and you know what? I didn't think, I, you know, sort of some men from the boys, it's another level. So I, it doesn't bother me in, in that sense. I think, you know, more of it, if anything. Interesting. Um, did you ever get sick in the car or maybe... Um... Road no, race, the, any chance? The closest I ever got to it, to be honest, I was lucky enough to race in Barbados a couple of years um, in a saloon car, and it was mid mid to 30 degrees Celsius over there, um, full race suit in a saloon, tin top car. Um, I think someone threw a temperature gun in the window of at one stage, and the heat in the car at the end of it was in the high 40s, like physically in, in the, the inside of the car, and then you're wearing all the suits and everything. And they were only short races, but we had a few of them over the course of the weekend. And, you know, the locals, to be fair to them, they, they, they spotted that I was struggling a little bit, let's say, just dehydration and, and um, had me drinking coconut water with all the electrolytes and everything into it. But, I mean, it's a, it's a far cry from F1 and it's not even the same, but it's, you know, you're sitting in a metal box and it's, as I said, high 40s and then you're wearing a race suit, balaclava, gloves boots the whole lot um and physically working the car there for 15 20 minutes at a time i mean yeah it was uh it's hard going like, you know it's I, definitely hard going and uh it's, but um you know i'm these guys are super elite athletes you know and i certainly am not nor wasn't at that stage so um it's not really apples with apples you're comparing but it's yeah i mean the, the only other thing i did a, i did a cart race years ago and I ended up in the cart for the 24-hour cart race, and I ended up in the cart for the last two hours and 20 minutes at the end of it, after being awake for probably 30 hours in total. And I remember just going around, going around, it was grand, no problems, and then the race was over, and I got out and literally collapsed. And luckily I was wearing the helmet, like, but it's the adrenaline thing again, it just keeps keeps you going until the checkered flag, and then it all just takes over then, and your body, you know, just reacts. So it's it's not, they're not making it up, that's for sure. Mm. Richie, any tales to tell on that front? Uh, no, no, not really. <laughs> I often got sick before I put the helmet on and after I took the helmet off, but never in the helmet. Um, but no, just reifying what Barry was saying there, like, you know, I found myself in certain situations like that. I've done a 24-hour go cat and rest as well. And as Barry said, yeah, they're definitely not lying. You know, it's it's, it's seriously, seriously tough. And, and it just proves... What elite athletes they are like. I mean, you know, we would always see Carlos Sainz as an avid runner, and you know, Jensen Button when he was driving was the same triathlon guy. And but um, honestly, like just going back to you know, compare it sport to sport. Like we see guys playing a soccer match for maybe 120 minutes. That's 90 in extra time. These guys are falling down. I mean, like falling down, and it wouldn't. I'm not talking about them dealing with the same temperatures that these guys are dealing with, sitting in a con, as Barry said, like not a steel box, but a carbon fiber box with an engine set right behind them. Temperatures to reach, temperatures in the cockpit. You know, um, absolutely like phenomenal that 
you know, I was, and even Logan Sargent, I wouldn't, you know, he, I thought he wasn't well starting the race anyway. So yeah, he he flew he flew the week leading up to it. So he was, you know, we've all been there. We know it. That's no disrespect or no bad reflection on Logan Sargent. For me, he done extremely well to continue as long as he did. Like honestly, like I just said it earlier, like like that that torture, and I mean pure pure torture on those guys' body and mind. It's interesting as well, and I've seen a lot of people mentioning it, that, you know, in a lot of other classes, the WEC endurance racing and stuff of late, they've they, they, they've tagged this a number of years ago. Um, so F1, again, sometimes it can be a bit late to the party and things like this, you know, and then it kind of, because it has such a big audience of, you know, F1 fans as opposed to motorsport fans, they think it's stuff that's never been seen before, but... This is not new in motorsport terms. It's new in F1 terms, but it's certainly not new in motor racing terms. Um, and a lot of the endurance races, your Le Mans type, you know, long, long form, six, 12 hour races um, have had this in the past. And to the point that they now have rules against it, that the car has a, 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 a temperature gauge, basically, or a temperature um, probe inside the car. And if it exceeds a number, now I can't, I don't know what that number is, but I'm sure you'd find it out quick enough on Google. If it exceeds that number, the car must be retired, and the driver has to to stop or or, or you know get it under control, whatever. It's 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 a it's a rule like, um, and they've done quite a lot of studies in there too to where they can equate you know x x amount of degree over a certain number with x amount of loss of performance and cognitive function as well, like you know so. It's it's um it's not a new thing, you know. Um, and I think a lot of the sports car guys are probably kind of humping around now, going, "Yeah, see, we told you, we've been talking about this for years." Like, but now what's happening to F one? It's getting a bit of traction and a bit of coverage. Um, but it's 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 not a it's not a new thing, as I said. So maybe F one will look at it um in time. But I think it was the combination of the fact that the 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 qualifying type laps that they had to do because of the three stops plus the heat plus it's a high g circuit it's a fast flowing you know sustained long corners like that right that triple apex right hander just watching it hurts my neck you know just looking at it there's eight gear through three three apexes of a right hander like it's just probably full full and full six g there for, for four to five or six g sustained you know a spike of five g is one thing but pulling anywhere near that numbers for two or three seconds is is, is hard on the body so that the heat and the and the and the um consistently fast laps. Like an hour and 40 minutes of qualifying laps because they didn't have to mind tires you know like yeah. that's that's fucking phenomenal yeah yeah so we didn't so although we said earlier it's not new and they you know we go back to your senders and all the rest of it and you go back to the kind of schumacher era where it was you know there was pit stops and it was a run of fast laps between between stops um to get your, you know, that that's the way it was done. It was like four sprint races, basically, or two or three sprints, depending on any pit stops it was. The cars weren't as heavy. They weren't as physically de- demanding in terms of, they didn't pull the same G. They might have been lighter and quicker and more nimble in the slower stuff, but they were never, they've never been as fast as they are now. And it's, it's the fast corners that, that, that hurt the body. So you've, you've that now that you didn't have then. Um, so, it's uh, it's not uh, a surprise. Um, Fernando was a Fernando, yeah. Fernando's um message to his engineer when his seat when he thought his seat was on fire and and just when you mentioned going back to like the Schumacher era or you know Alonso as a rookie like back in those days it wasn't unheard of like let's say Singapore where they'd be refueling and. Some guy comes out with a bucket full of ice cold water and fires it in on top of the driver to cool him down, and away he goes again. Yeah. And Fernando actually asked his engineer, "Do we get like like? Can you throw cold water on me, like?" Yeah, they couldn't. They said it would breach another more rules. So somewhere more in the encyclopedia of rules, there's a line saying you can't pour a bottle of water over the driver mid race. Like, I mean, they literally have a rule for everything. Your man Wim Hof wouldn't like that. Have you heard of this Wim Hof guy? No. No. Oh, the, ice, the ice man over in Norway, Wim Hof. This fella, he's uh, he swears by the cold water, so he he's mad. He, he's climbing Kilimanjaro, fecking in a pair of shorts and um, 
swears by cold water. So there's guys in Ireland now training this Wim Hof method. Um, that are they're making a few bob off it as well, nice few bob. It's just ice bats basically. So, right. um, they reckon it can cure a lot of life's problems, but sure, he won't like that yeah. though. There's a rule again thrown in a bucket of and half. Well, I forgot to turn the immersion on yesterday, and I had to have a cold shower, and I won't be doing it in too much of a hurry again. So, <laughs> half can will half can work away. I'm all right. I haven't, water, I haven't had a nice bat since my GAA days, and I don't fucking intend on. <laughs> We may bring wheelie bins to Mandela the next time, Richie, well, at the back. We'll fill them up with cold water. That's, that's what our one was. Literally, the, the fucking wheelie bins that, like, your your standard household one. It wasn't even yeah. one of those sturdy ones or anything like that. How the fuck we didn't break our next game in Oldham, actually? They were going to cause more harm than actually prevent injury. They were going to cause it. But, um, yeah. Another the, reason I don't play GAA. Yeah. The joys with it. I was actually thinking, I have to tell this story now, right? I know we go off on tangents regularly here on the Irish F1 show, but Richie... Jesus, oh no, it was a, it wasn't, it was a hurling, it was a hurling meeting we were at, we're going to run a triathlon, right? That's the one with the sticks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. the one, yeah, 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 the one that's kind of like hockey or whatever. What did your man say, cross between hockey and murder or something? Murder, yeah. Uh, the boys wanted to run a triathlon at this meeting, and uh, they were like, oh, so look, we have the River Barrow there, we have runners. <laughs> they were like, yeah, we have no bikes though, no bikes. <laughs> well, I won't name who it was, well, I ain't just back from Amsterdam, I know where we can get a few. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll leave whatever bike that people think to the listener and viewers' imagination on that front and bring it back to a PG episode. But that did happen. Um, now, back to Formula One proceedings and the first corner, guys, I thought was an interesting one. Um, Hamilton didn't seem like he was taking much blame, but in fairness, on second view, and as soon as he got it, did take a bit of responsibility. And a suspended 50,000 fine. It's going to be 25 grand, but uh, do it again and it's still another 25. I, I don't get these suspended sentences no more so than I get in the Irish judicial system. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it probably was it probably was getting their time, Barry, that something was going to happen because he's been involved in a lot of stuff over the last couple of years and we were only talking about it, I think, a couple of episodes back. Um, I mean, it's just a wrap in the knuckles, really, I suppose, in comparison, isn't it? I am in mean, penalties. It's probably an hour's wages. It's not. It's not. That's not going to hit him hard. But um, ending up backwards and potentially losing that big haul of points for second in the championship will will hurt more than the, the you know the few quid in his in 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 his vast bank account. But um, yeah, it's it like I mean the incident itself. Um, he came on the radio straight away and said I got taken out with my teammate. Um, but to be fair to him, he he watched the footage back and. Rich, Rich, you'll know all about this. It's it, it, even at club race and stuff. You know, after after years of it, I, I'm a firm believer in say absolutely nothing until you see the footage because. Remember I, when I, this? I, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, I've been in situations. I went up the inside of him and he turned in on me, and you watched the footage back, and you were on the outside. Like it could be absolute, a completely different thing that you how you remember it to how it actually was. Now, obviously, you know, a lot of the time you do remember it correctly, but. You wouldn't want to be relying on it um, before you go in front of the world media. So to be fair to him, he did. You know, he he reacted there and then, and then he came back and put his hands up and said, "No, it was, it was his fault." And George, you know where to go. Um, it's funny though. I was looking around social media, and some of the LH forty four fans, you know, the loopers, like they were out there, and they when it happened initially. You know, I was I'd be watching Twitter and stuff while the race is on, and so it's all bit hilarious. But he says uh, they were all going on. That was Russell's fault. That was Russell's fault. And Hamilton, uh, and then Hamilton himself comes out and says, "No, it was my fault." So they're all scrabbling. Then they don't know what to say because they're, you know, their 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 savior himself has come out and said that they were wrong because it, um, they've been backing him. So then they turned it around to, well, okay, it might have been Hamilton's fault, but. He was on softs, and 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 Russell knew he was on softs, so he should have got out of his way. Oh, jeez! Like he literally, they can't see any wrong. Even the man himself admits it was his fault. They still can't, um, you know, come out of their echo chamber and 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 actually, you know, give an honest. I'm seeing one thing, right? Just going on what you're saying about all the Lewis Hamilton fan pages and things, and it's like you said, the man himself came out and admitted, you know, put his yeah. hands up. After looking at the footage, yeah, I'm a hundred percent wrong. And I just seen on one of the Lewis Hamilton Facebook pages, like his fan page or one of his fan pages, and they have cops in 2021 <laughs> with Max on the outside, and they're like, "See, <laughs> they're the same. see we told you Max was a fault." 
we told you Max because Max was on the outside. Uh, that is um, the exact yeah. same. Like there's 500 different, you know, variables between the two of them. But yeah, <laughs> it's a right-hander and one's on the outside. So therefore, everything else is the same. Yeah. Did you, you not make that Facebook page, by the way, Richie? No. A moderator, is it? Look, he's not on his own. The Verstappen ones aren't much better, you know. Not much good. Better, no, I'm not. We're not singling out Lewis, like, but just no, like, no, 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 no. Artist fans, but it's it's yeah, man. Like on on reflection, got out of the car, and like Barry said, I've often done it. Got out of the car, came in fuming. The fuck was that guy? Yeah, I was on the inside. He was on the outside. And when you look at the footage, like. He was on the inside and I was on the outside. Like, yeah. you, just, you know, as Barry said, just, just keep it zipped until you get in and see the footage. But Richie, if they had a radio, as I said before, if they had a radio in our cars at the time broadcasting to the world, <laughs> Jesus, talk oh, about suspended sentences. But, <laughs> but the, um, the move that's itself from do. Hamilton... That's what we should do for our next race meeting. Fit on board no. videos. No. The Irish <laughs> show go viral. <laughs> Then we won't get home, Richie. <laughs> That'd be the problem. We won't talk about tracklands in the next episode anyway. But, yeah. No, yeah, no, the incident itself, though. the incident itself, I think, was, um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was Hamilton's fault. There's no doubt about that. Um, he, he, he chopped the nose off Russell and gave him nowhere to go. Russell had uh, for stopping on his inside. Um and yeah, it was pretty pretty slam dunk as far as I'd be concerned that it was that that it was uh ha- Hamilton's fault. Um, interesting to see the, the the you know how Verstappen is now the clean driver and and Hamilton is is the one that's kind of you know getting getting his hands dirty a little bit more and it just shows you it's the it's the car is a big factor in that because when when Hamilton had the the car advantage he was able to to play the to play the play the numbers and play the percentages and if I don't get him this lap I'll get him the next lap and back out of it. Um and Verstappen was the one who had to had to go for the gaps because he had the lesser equipment. Um and, and he was the you know the dirty driver. And now it's literally, you know, vice versa. It's Verstappen has the one that can that can that can play the percentages and wait for the next lap. And Hamilton has to take the chances when he can get it because that's what you've seen at the weekend. He thought he had a chance. He's on the soft tires. He got a better start, more grip, round the outside, lead the first lap. And yeah, I probably won't win the race, but you know, I'll get I'll, I'll get out front and enjoy the benefits of that for a little while. You know, a little um, bit of desperation, maybe. Say again. A little bit of desperation, maybe. Yeah, uh, but I mean, Rich, you know yourself. Well, you know yourself, Rich. You know, we've all been there. You're 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 on the front couple of rows. You know that you haven't got the pace. You haven't got a pace advantage to win the race, but there's a difference in, but if, you know, less so in F1 because it just DRS past you. But you know, you, you you don't have to have the fastest car to win a race. Sometimes you can get to the front, and as I said, more so in our stuff now than F1. But um, yeah, and even look, it's a race at the end of the day. Get to the front and lead for a half dozen laps if you can, and get a bit of just enjoy that in itself. And you know, I'm sure Hamilton isn't beyond that sort of outlook too. So um. Yeah, he took a chance, just didn't give enough room. He wasn't far enough ahead when he swept into the corner and took himself and his team. Well, didn't take his teammate out, but put him to the back of the grid. Um, and I had a lot of had a lot of work to do to get back to where, where was he fourth in the end? I think Russell. Mm. Oh, which was still going in fairness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where would he been if he hadn't didn't have mm. that? You know, would he been? That, that's what I'm gonna say. I, like, I I honestly believe the Mercs had the pace to. To actually win that race, I I do believe I I think the Mercs did have the pace to be like two three one three one two. I think they did have the pace to to one of them like potentially the ball had the pace to win the race, but like Red Bull had been struggling a little bit last weekend, and and I honestly believe if they're keeping their noses clean, I thought they had the pace to win that race. One of them. Yeah, well, they they might have they might have bridged the gap between where McLaren finished and where Verstappen finished. You know where Piastri finished and Verstappen. But interesting too to kind of swing back on the original point. Did you notice on the last few laps, Verstappen eased off the pace and let the McLarens kind of catch him, which was a sure sign that he was feeling the effects of. Because normally Verstappen does the exact opposite. He throws in the fastest lap at the end as a yeah, kind of you know two fingers to the rest of them like. Um, yeah. 
but he did the exact opposite. He just was obviously right. I don't need to, I'm whatever, eight, ten seconds in the lead. I'll just peel it off a half a second a lap. Doesn't sound much, but a half a second a lap is not a lot. It's a lot of pressure off. It's a lot of pressure off, and it's physically a lot easier and everything else. And, um, yeah, so I think Verstappen was feeling the effects too and seeing him just kind of ease it off and, uh, you know, just win by a couple of seconds from, from the McLaren pair. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of back to the original point of the heat. Just a, a word on him, guys, because, look, as we said at the, at the get-go, we congratulated him. He's, you know, a three-time world champ or whatever like that. But the thing that strikes me about him is something that you just reminded me of, really, is the rootlessness, right? And when I think of... A comparison now look he's a long way to go before he wins 16 world titles but in darts phil taylor was so ruthless you just mentioned there you know about max generally will want to punch in the fastest lap at the end and it's borderline humiliation for everyone else but phil taylor was like that in a world darts final as well if the foot was on the throat it was staying there and it was going nowhere and he would yeah. pulverize you i just get the feeling this kid has the same hallmarks and traits now we've mentioned previously that we don't think he's going to hang in there long enough but in terms of all the champions down through the years, would where does he rank in terms of the rootlessness chart? Was there? He's right up there, mm. right? He's right up there. Uh, he has to be like, and even go back like Lewis Hamilton was the same when he was dominant. Absolutely ruthless and very same. Pump in fastest mm. laps towards the end of the race to put two fingers up to the rest of them and say, "I'm here. I'm the quickest." You know. Schumacher was the same. Sebastian Vettel was the same. They were all like, and he has to be now. I know he's in a superior car, but then again, so was Lewis, so was Michael, so was Sebastian, so were all these great champions. Um, it's a very rare guy that has won not in the best car. Yeah, you know? very, very okay. rare. Probably never has happened. Maybe, uh, maybe but... Orton, Orton, maybe, but like generally. You know, the best guy in the best car wins. But they don't win by being Mr. Nice Guy. And they don't win by going around shaking everyone's hands and just being there to make friends. They're there to do a job. They're there to fucking win. And and that's what they did. Like, And, yeah, me personally, I don't know about Barry feels, but me personally, I think Max has to be held right up there. Hmm. Yeah, I think he's, I mean, I think he just... There's a question, people kind of going, well, sure, he's won the championship now, he's won that many, will he kind of just ease off a bit? And No, you know, and I, and I genuinely think he just wants to win races and he can't fathom the idea of going out and not trying to win, whether it's, I reckon if you if, if you bumped into him at a car track in the Midlands of Ireland, so he'd be the exact same. Like, it's just, I want, and like the thing about it is, is it sounds mad or whatever but like what's the alternative you you, you you go to a track you go to you go to race you're in your car the the enjoyment comes from driving on the limit whether it be a go-kart or an f1 car it's the same that's the enjoyment is driving the car to its limits people got to realize is to 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 not do that to not try and drive the car as fast as possible is completely against the natural urge and the natural not even just it it's what you do it's literally what you do um and to to not do it would mean you know breaking a meter early for every corner or getting on the throttle a couple of meters later and it's so it's it, it's such a foreign concept to drive like that to, to, to guys who race cars at any level that it just it just doesn't happen you know it, it really just doesn't happen it's it's not it's it's not really an option you can do it, obviously. You can do it when you need to do it. You know, when the car maybe is struggling or when your tires are going off or when you have a reason to do it. But if everything is right and you've got the car under you that can put a pole lap in, you're not going to break five meters early just because you won a championship six weeks ago. You're going to break the last minute because that's that's what you're programmed to do. That's that's your default setting. Everything else, everything else is a is a an adjustment. But drive the car to its absolute limit is your default setting if you're any way decent of a racing driver, you know. I was trying to think of what... There's a book addicted to winning and I guess it must be an actual addiction. It must get to a stage where, I, you know, I need my fix of this. Like, 
absolutely. And w- winning or winning, or yeah. performing. And I think winning. Winning. Is a, winning can be a. You know, don't forget, like the guys, there's guys there on the grid that will, in, and and throughout the years, you ask them, "What was your best race?" They could, they'll say, "Oh, could be the one I finished 15. Okay. You know, because, so, yeah, because that's realistic. It, yeah, yeah, because that was because they they should have the car should have finished eighth or tenth or ninth or whatever. So, I I think from a I don't know a lot about other sports, obviously, but from a driving point of view, you want to get the you know winning is a byproduct of doing everything else well, you know, and having a bit of luck to have the car underneath you as to, to go with it. Um, and Verstappen knows that, Hamilton knows that, they all know that. They, like Verstappen might turn around to say. You know, uh, I did a race there four years ago. It was probably my best race. Where did you finish? Fifth. You know, because he probably should have finished tenth. Whereas, you know, that might have been a harder and a more rewarding drive. I'm, you know, I'm obviously putting words in his no, metaphorical America. Yeah. But, but he, you know, it could have been a harder drive and a, and a, and a more, um, you know, fulfilling drive than, you know, just steaming off in the front in a car that's obviously quicker than, than, than everything else. So, I, I yeah I I just I to take your point a little further, Barry. Right, um, George Russell. If if you ask George Russell at the end of the race, um, well, what do you think? He would probably say, from lap three on, that's probably the best Mercedes I've set in all season, and it's probably my best race of the season. Yeah, because maybe not form, you know. Um, yeah. you know, and I guarantee you, like, he was so like after the race, even though he was taken out on lap one, he was bubbly out, he was delighted with his drive. And I'm sure, like Barry said, you know, he, he'll probably put that right up there as one of his best drives so far in Formula One, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a, it's an interesting one because it doesn't, you know, obviously, in a lot of other sports, you know, golfs or your tennises or whatever, you know, individual type sports, the better you perform generally the better you finish but racing isn't necessarily like that because of the the element of the machine that's mm-hmm. such an important part in it so you know you can drive brilliantly one weekend and not win because you're in x car you can drive slightly less brilliantly the next weekend and win because you're in y car you know which one do you get the more personal satisfaction out of the like winning's winning winning's great don't get me wrong but you know knowing that you've left nothing on the table is is a nice feeling too regardless of the result Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it goes back to that thing about motivation that we spoke about, I think, earlier this season, which was very, I really enjoyed that, to be honest with you, from, from you guys, to get your perspective on on that stuff. And I think, the, yeah, definitely there's, there must be an addiction to, as you said, at least performance, if not if not winning. And then there's other guys who like will put too much pressure on themselves to obviously win when, when that's there. And I think there's, there's people that don't feel pressure at all. Um, well, I think just, I think for stopping is one of those. To be fair, yeah. to him. he just he just, he just wants to fucking he just wants to win, but doesn't see drive the car, just drive it as fast as possible. And as I said, that's his default setting. Get into the car and drive it to the limit of its grip. That will be different depending on the car and depending on the track and everything else. And drive it to the limit of its grip, and you know, let the let the cards fall where they may. And so, some days that'll be a race win, and some days it won't. And of course, he's gonna enjoy the race wins. And he's gonna keep taking them, and that's and I think everything else is a byproduct of that so if he does that every lap and the car is good enough he'll win the race and if he wins enough races he'll win the championship but i don't think winning the championship in and of itself is the is the goal it's it's the you know it's kind of as i say it's the, it's the byproduct and they see that in him he's in a car every second you know if he's not racing an f1 car he's on a sim or he's doing track days and and he's in porsches and you know gt3s and blah 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 and he just wants to drive and you know everything that comes from it. Two hundred points to the good with six races left. Um, it's quite amazing, I suppose, to to put it mildly. But um, I want to switch across Richie to McLaren and um, I suppose the the tangible progress that we've seen them make in recent times. Do you want to take it up on Piastri or uh, do you want to talk about it as a collective? Either or, you have the floor. Um, I think. Uh, the last podcast there that myself, Barry and Mike done, um, pretty sure I said it in that podcast that Piastri is coming and coming strong. Um, you could see, you know, he's 
he's right on Lando's gearbox there now and outperformed him last weekend, albeit a mistake from Lando in qualifying, but still, he made that mistake. Um, McLaren as a whole, absolutely dis- delighted to see him back. Um, a team I've always admired and liked. Um, great to see him back running at the front. They now have their own wind tunnel up and running, which is great to hear. And um, by all accounts, signs are looking great for McLaren to stay at the front and even, you know, become more competitive and, and talk around the paddock there is, you know, Lando to Red Bull and you're sort of, you know, obviously if you're Lando, you're flattered that Red Bull would gladly take you. You, you have to be considering it, but um, with the leaps and bounds McLaren are making, you know, I think you'd be happy enough to stay where you are too. There is, there's a, there's a championship coming there. But um, he most certainly has a teammate there now that's going to put him up to put him, put it up to him um, in Piastri. You know, really good, really good driver. And you know, I don't know if you put Liam Lawson or Sargent or you give those two guys that McLaren do to do the same job as Piastri. I don't think so. No, mm. no. Well, it's an interesting one actually. To you know, if that was to happen, we're saying it is purely speculation. If Orlando was to end up at Red Bull shirt. Obviously, we know it's it's a second fiddle job, no matter how good you are. And if... <laughs> I'm not going to say that uh, he wouldn't be able to challenge him. Of course he would. He's got the capability to get the machine behind him. He'd definitely probably put up a better fight than what we're seeing from, from Checo, especially after the weekend, which we might come to a little bit later. But what I was going to say there is, if he stays, could he end up being... Could he end up playing second fiddle? This is... I, I was just... Just thinking to myself... Um, as you were talking there, that that's exactly what could ha- end up. Mm. And again, to go back to the psychology of it, you know, put yourself in Norris's boots for you know the last for, for his life, basically. You know, he's his he, he's he's comes from a very wealthy background. His father spent any amount of money on him. The stories of F three testing and going around the going around the world with two F three cars, one for himself and one for his coach. And the two of them raced all day around tracks or, you know, privately rented tracks, 20, 30 grand a day to rent the track, two F3 cars and just pounding around tires, tires, tires. You know, you're talking about a hundred grand a day kind of test day, you know, during the winter and weeks of them. Right. So he's grown up in that world and he is a superstar. You know, the money doesn't make him faster. It gets him in the seat and it gets him the drives, but it doesn't make you quicker in and of itself. And he's, it's supremely talented and he's rode that wave all the way to F1. Now I reckon if you could get into his head at the start of this year, before Piastri came on cam, he would happily go to Red Bull because he would be convinced he's quicker than Verstappen because in his head, he's quicker than everyone because he has always been quicker than everyone genuinely Mm -hmm. and has been beaten everybody all the way up to F1. So he probably would have taken, yeah, I can beat Verstappen, no problem. I'd say he isn't just so sure now, because all of a sudden he's getting beaten by Piastri, who is not an idiot by any stretch of imagination, but he hasn't proved what Verstappen has proved yet. So can you imagine in Norris's head sitting there going, Jesus, hang on a minute, I thought I could beat Verstappen, and now I'm struggling to hang on to Piastri. Maybe I can't beat Verstappen. So in a weird kind of way, is getting beaten by Piastri going to put him off going fighting against Verstappen? Is he maybe not just as confident that he can beat anyone in the world? Because, you know, he has done to date, but now he's now he's getting now he's on the ropes a little bit. Not on the ropes, that's not fair to say. He's 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 still leading him in the championship and he's still quick and he's there on his gearbox. But it's the first time he's probably ever had to, you know, think about maybe the fact that there's someone at least as good as him. Richie's body challenged, regardless, yeah, isn't he, Richie? Yeah, like I thought Lando's body language after the sprint qualifying, where he actually got pulled. Well, he made, yeah, he, he made a ball. By, by all accounts, Lando made a ball in the last corner, yeah, which is grand, but I just thought his body language when they both got out of the car after qualifying, it was like, I won't say a petulant little child, it was like, he, he shook Piastri's hand through gritted teeth and he was like, the fuck are you after coming from? Like, you know, you, you yeah, know, I'm not beating you here. Like. And I just, 
It's got to hurt. Yeah, it's got to hurt. I mean, he was I, he, he had the beatings of Ricardo genuinely, and then Ricardo got the win in Monza, whatever it was, two years ago, 21, I think, was it? Then, you know, he's generally had the beating of Piastri during the year, or at least as close to him. And then Piastri goes and puts it in the front row. Piastri gets a pole position. I don't think Norris has a pole position to his name. Certainly not in his rookie year. And definitely Piastri not this season. To the win then. And then out qualifies him and beats him to the Grand uh, and beats him in the Grand Prix as well. And meanwhile, Lando is, you know, Jesus, the, the delete button was nearly wore out for his laps in Grand Prix qualifying. Every second lap he did was deleted. So, you know. I don't think Close he's taken for everybody any stretch of imagination, but he's he's he's, he's one other thing to consider here as well is Lando has been given all the upgrades. Yeah, all the history has been racing in an old McLaren up to like two yeah, to not, three yeah. years You know? Yeah. So I mean, you know, Lando has any upgrades that's came, Lando has got them. And like that, I'm a big Lando fan. Like I, I think he's really yeah. quick, really good. But do you know something? I think, I, I just think his biggest fault might be his own head. Well, as I say, you spend you spend your entire life being told you're better than everyone, and being genuinely probably better than everyone you've ever come up against. You're confident, you know. They all think that, of course they do. But in a in in a quiet moment, he's got to be considering that maybe, you know, as I said, he is still world-class and one of the top three or four drivers on the grid, don't get me wrong. Um, but I'd say his confidence has taken a little bit of a little bit of a, a, of a shake um, since Piastri. And I just wonder, is that ironically going to be the thing that stops him going to, to Red Bull? Because he's going, I'm struggling to beat Piastri in my team in his first year. What hope have I against Max in Red Bull? He might have been a little bit more naive at the start of the season before that all happened and probably would have taken that Red Bull drive. So, I don't know. I'd love to see him in the Red Bull, don't get me wrong. But he's kind of, he's stuck in a rock in a hard place, isn't he? I mean, it's a position you wouldn't mind being in, but at the same no, time, you don't envy him problems. having to make that uh, that call either. I, I think when there's a challenge there, um, like when you see the trajectory, there's no, I suppose there's a lot of mitigating factors, right? So how, how do we know for definite that that Red Bull car is going to be as good and, you know, much better or superior than the rest will say again next year? How do we know that McLaren will stay on that trajectory uh, that they're on at the minute? Um, those are things that, I mean, how much of that can you know when you're when you're going to make that decision? Like you don't really, yeah. do you? Well, Kev, Kev, Red Bull will be every bit as strong next season, right? Because mm. winning breeds winning, and by like they have that championship wrapped up now with six races to go. They're going to end up driving next year's car by the end of this season, right? Which puts them light years ahead of everyone else. This is what Mercedes used to be doing in their dominant days. So when you're that dominant, you can afford to do stuff like that. Um, but here's so the question. Bull, here's the real question, Richie. What I've been asking myself lately: How good is that Red Bull car? Because look how average Perez is in it, the other one. So yeah, I mean, we've um, all been jumping around saying the Red Bull is different. You know, we've been going. It's you know, obviously Newey, and it it look. It's not a hass. Let's be very clear about that, right? It's it. But it's just, is it easier to believe that Verstappen is that much better than it is to believe that Perez is that bad? I think there's two things, Barry, we have to, we have to think about in this scenario. And that's, one, I do think the Red Bull car is that little bit more superior than all the rest. Number two, yeah, Max is just phenomenal. You know, he's just, he's one of those drivers, you know, they only come around every now and again, you know, and, mm. and they're just fucking phenomenal. Well, it's like um, Alonso and Stroll at the moment, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the Aston, you know, where is the car in that? Is the car somewhere between the two of them? 
you know, if if Alonso is a half is a second up the road from Stroll, yeah, is but it this, that this Stroll is, is a second off the pace, or is it a half a second each? Yeah, but this was the third point that was coming on to is right. Your Max Verstappen's teammate, right? The first thing that's going to happen to you after two or three races is your confidence is going to get fucking knocked to fuck, right? Because of who you're going up against. The same as Stroll. I don't believe Stroll is as bad as he's performing. The same as I don't believe Perez is as bad as he's performing. What I do believe is they're both shot to pieces confidence-wise. They just... Yeah. It's like no matter what they do, no matter how hard they try, no matter what effort they put into it, they can't get to within a second of their teammate. And I just think an awful lot of it... Like, you'd find and see... Let's say we go to, to Austin in two weeks' time and Perez miraculously somehow manages to out-qualify Max. Then you could see an upsurgence in his performance and start mm. to start, you know, what get like confidence is a massive, massive thing. If you're not confident in anything you do, you're not going to perform well. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It's just... It's hard to know. It's just it's it's just hard to think that he could drop off that much. Perez, like as a known quantity, yeah, weight. I, take that. I take that. I take that all day. Like he is a There's definitely a bit in terms of confidence for sure. There's no doubt about that. But just over one lap, you know, over one lap and and over a race actually, more to the point. Like Perez had three separate five second penalties in that race yesterday yeah you know, for track limits and he, I think you need to break track limits is it three times four times to get a penalty so that's 12 yeah. or 13 violations you know that in a driving, that is, race he, is he overdriving because of lack of confidence yeah maybe I mean I mean look will we again because it was a push race because every lap was a push because of the tyre situation there's so many maybe, mistakes. Maybe just while, while you are on this, explain the term overdriving to someone that's listening to this that doesn't understand what I mean when I say, is he overdriving the car? So overdriving is, the classic example of overdriving, I'll give you, and I mean, one of the cars that it's actually easiest to overdrive in, in my experience that I've raced, is the lowly Ford Fiesta Z car. Slow car. Yeah. It's lowest of the lot, right? Yeah. Because... You're coming down the start finish straight and you're thinking, I need to find, I don't know, a tent, two tents to, you know, to jump a few positions in the grid or get pole or wherever you might be. And you're not doing scary speeds or anything else. And you're thinking, right, normally I'm going to break at, say, 60 meters from turn one. But for Jesus, if I break at 58 meters, surely that'll be faster. And it would. And you break at 58 meters and you throw it into the corner because you're going a couple of mile an hour faster and you, you know, give it an extra bit of turn on the lock and you run it out wider on the curb and everything else. And you've done, you've done everything faster. You've brake later, you've turned harder, you've hit the throttle faster, you've used more of the track. You get to the end of the lap and you're half a second slower because you've gone over the point of kind of fluidity of just everything working at its maximum. So if you're driving at 99% and you're just extracting 99% of everything, 99% will give you X lap time. 101% will make you considerably slower because you've just asked too much of everything. You've got ragged, you've got messy, you've, you know, you're, you're, you're running wide and kicking up dust and everything else. And you're all doing it. It's a mindset because you're just trying to think just only a tenth of a second. All I need to do is break a bit later. If I get on the throttle a tiny bit earlier, but it's just putting you over that 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 crest, and you're now on the downward side of 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 performance. Um, but it is such an easy thing to do. It's it's so so easy to do in any class of driving or racing. Um, and I absolutely believe that F one is 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 one of them. But look, Perez's performance yesterday. Was particularly bad, but again, Shocking. Shocking. yeah. But it's a race. It's the one race that they've had all year where they've had to push every lap. So Perez has good results in the races relative to qualifying because 
he's not driving at 100% of his ability in the race because he's driving to a lap time, which is an art in itself. That's a great point. I never thought of that one. In qualifying, he struggles. All year, Perez is qualified. He's struggling because that is about maximising the equipment and doing the lap. In the race, it's about, you know, using the tools to your best to your best advantage. And he has got a superior tool in the Red Bull to most of the grid, if not all of the grid, and probably has got it all the grid. Fast forward to yesterday, he's got a race where you have to push every lap and it just falls to pieces. That he looked like a, you know, to be very brutally honest, it was just not good enough. He looked very average yesterday. And I just don't think he's anywhere near as quick as Verstappen. Not even close. And the problem is, is, you know, as I said, how much of that performance that Verstappen is eking out of it is the car. I think he we might be under we might be underselling them a little bit by just going well he's in the best car so of course he's winning, you know. The, Perez is in the same car too. He's not an Egypt, and he's barely hanging on to second in the championship. So, you know, in fullness of time, Verstappen might be genuinely regarded as one one of if not the best. It's, I think he's otherworldly to be perfectly honest with you in, in terms of how how quick he actually is. Definitely right up. It's a discussion for um, definitely another day. It's, it's been discussed <laughs> quite a lot this year, but I mean, every time it's discussed, it's in a slightly different context because, you know, you mentioned, is it the car? Is it not the car? Uh, is he overdriving? There's always a different twist to put on it, but the fact of the matter is, I'd say it's increasingly unlikely he'll be there next year bar something unusual happens. Or do you suspect that he might be in with a squeak still? It's hard to see it, isn't it, surely? No, I mean... depend on... It'll, it'll all depend on Mark. I wanted helmet. If he decides he's enough of him, he's he's gone. Like, and don't mind what Christian or anyone else is saying about oh he's contracted here. He's can't no. If helmet Mark come the end of the season decides he doesn't want him next year, that's it. He's gone. At the at at the moment, it doesn't matter because you know the combination of Verstappen and that Red Bull car is enough that he can fight them off one handed. Um. If in the closing race of the year you've seen the McLarens closing that gap and, you know, maybe Ferraris and it's different people on different weekends and depending on the track, and all of a sudden it's going to be a harder fight to fight one-handed, then the teammate matters. Teammate matter. Teammate literally does not matter in Red Bull. It do, you could put me or Richie in the car, they wouldn't give a shit because it, 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 Verstappen <coughs> is doing enough. He's doing, you know, we'd we, we be, whatever Perez is, we'd be a lot further back than him. But Verstappen is doing enough. If Perez was finishing second to Max consistently all season, Max probably would have won it three races ago. Like. Yeah. You know, like Barry said, he's, he's literally one-handedly Well, he wouldn't because Perez was second in the championship, of course. He'd have had more points. But the, 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 the thing is, though, he's, he's not... Uh, he he doesn't need a teammate to fight the other teams. You know they can't do the two pronged attack to put them on different strategies and all this sort of stuff. He, he generally he the have team is Say again. Generally, his teammate can't fucking live with him anyway. So. Yeah, but he doesn't <laughs> need to live with him. He just needs to. He just needs to get between him and everyone else. If it was a proper, you know, if you if because. You know, the McLarens and the gap is shortening for sure between the Red Bull, and that's natural as, as rule, you know, as rule cycles mature. That people, you know, there's a glass ceiling element, and everyone else starts catching up. But at this point, it doesn't matter who the teammate is because Verstappen has got them, has not dealt with, but it could matter who the teammate is. Mercedes are coming back as well, and you know. Like Ferrari are not going to be that far away forever. So yeah, like teams are like it's like when Red Bull was off the ball. It took them a couple of seasons. Now they're back. You know, teams they will turn it around. Like they're not. You know. Yeah, and I think that's what determines whether Perez says or not. It's how good the other teams go. You know, and do they start closing the gap? And do they start going right? Well, listen, we need to have a car between Max and. A and other, whoever the other team is, we need to have someone that's able to fill that gap and get in there. And Perez has proven categorically that he's not able to do that. But it just doesn't matter at the moment. And Max is happy, and there's nobody annoying him. So that's that's 
it better be the status quo. But you know that could be the last thing they need if if the gap gets shorter next year. In which case they do need someone to to be you know in that gap between Max and everybody else. So Mando yeah. to Red Bull, boy. <laughs> well, do you know what? It's time for Barry. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's time for Barry's favorite part of the episode, and that's some stats uh, that he gets horribly excited about. <laughs> and um, these are courtesy, of course, of Sean Kelly from the Formula One website. Now, some of them are of interest. That's why I'm going to them. It's not that like, oh well, that's there because of what do you call it. And <laughs> but anyway, like in terms of Max, because he's champ, you know, again. Um, he won for the 14 consecutive time, starting from pole. That's the longest streak in F1 history. Broke Vettel's record for the most laps led in a single season. Now, I know there's a caveat with this one. Actually, do you know what? We may get a buzzer or some sort of a fucking jingle there for whenever there's a caveat to something. And yeah, just well, it'll, thing... just, it'll, be war, it'll be war out. Yeah, there's, a, there's, there's one to that second one, anyway. Uh, Verstappen extends his point score streak to 36 consecutive races, the second longest streak of all time. Is there a beat for that one? Or is that fair? No, I think that's fair that's because fair. Executive, it doesn't matter how many yep. many races there are other than his, you know, he's got a car advantage this year. So that gives him 23 bites at the apple, whereas in previous years, that would have to be two years of a car advantage. It's, it's a, a lot of apple remarks. That's twice you mentioned apple. We're drinking fallen apple. I swear this is not an endorsement, <laughs> but yeah, Jesus. And we mentioned every sport known to mankind this evening as well. It's like that shameless. Remember the... We're talking about rugby now as well as well. Remember when O'Driscoll and who the fuck was it? We're drinking Lucas Dead Sport. No, it's Powerade at the time. They're doing an interview oh. and, and they're making all these funny puns, like, and it was just absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, that's enough time spent on rugby on this podcast. Um, Verstappen has now won on 24 different circuits in his F1 career, passing Schumacher's total. Don't cry, Richie. And trailing only Lewis Hamilton's 31. That's actually 31, like, has there been. Surely that's an amazing enough staff for, for Lewis Hamilton to have. Like, I know a lot of circuits Compared maybe to what, come though? go. Compared, go back like to Schumacher and Senna's time, there were 16 races a year. And they were pretty much the same 16 races every year for 10 years or more. So, before you come on with I these get the jingle, I get the jingle. Michael like like Schumacher, you learn your own facts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just calling out what's here in front of me, guys. Um, Verstappen now leads championship over 200 points. The largest winning margin ever at the end of a season is 150 points. The biggest season with two and a half times the points that he used to get for... Actually, three times the points he used to get for a win. He used yeah. to get eight points for a win. <laughs> and now he's getting 25. And fastest lap is 26. So it's three points something times the amount of points for a given win. And the season wound up for a change and not me. <laughs> it's just you may as well. It's so irrelevant. It's yeah, it's like, stupid. We were watching no, the the other day and cro- and I'm I'm ninety-nine percent sure this is what happened. Crofty was commentating on some rubbish fact that was completely irrelevant while Verstappen had a big wobble on his fastest lap. And he was going on about this is there's X amount of light bulbs in the Qatar, or, and you're going, the guy's going for pole just had a mistake, and you're telling me he's not the, the brightest one. <laughs> Go on, what's the last one? The last one was actually decent. Uh, Verstappen, be the judge of that. <laughs> it was Verstappen's 10th hat trick of win, pole position, and fastest lap, surpassing the total of Wamba Fangio and trailing only Jim Clark on 11, Lewis Hamilton 19, and Michael Schumacher 22. That's interesting, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I did notice you falling off asleep there, Barry. And Richard, yeah. you're not too far behind him. We do try to keep these under the hour. Have we any last remarks, guys, before we finish up around 59 minutes? Just that last half. Uh, the, the Fangio and Clark, that's, that's massively impressive for me now. Back in there, there. Yeah, mm. well, that t- 10 would have been, I mean, they would have already did probably 8 or 12 races a year. So yeah. No, I mean, to sum up, anything else that we missed on quickly? Um, Stroll. Doing a bit of a, you know, argy bargy in the pick pick garage with his with his um trainer. If he's pick up on that, like that's that's not going to go down well. Um, he I might believe be he took his F3 car back off. He what? Stroll and his fitness instructor. He bought to have an F3 each that they go oh. race together All in right. private. 
private rent circuits privately and his trainer races the F3 again consistently and very regularly. So I believe he's taken his F3 back. <laughs> well, I so wonder that as well. Weren't you talking about Lando doing that as well earlier? Yeah. Well, that Lando did that on his way up, yeah. His way okay. up, you know, the junior categories. Was, but, um, yeah, I just thought that was that was very telling, you know, to, 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 to be so... He just looks like someone that's... I don't know. He looks... For a billionaire Formula 1 driver, he looks very miserable. You know? I think so, I read something today to Lawrence. Did any of you hear anything about him selling the team? No, but I mean, we, that's what he's there for, you know, to buy it and sell it and make make a few quid. So it wouldn't surprise me. I see they announced that they're going into Le Mans with the Aston Martin, um, whatever it's going called in the hypercar thing. So I don't know. Maybe maybe that's where where um where where Stroll might end up, and maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe he was told that over the weekend, and he's not happy. And but it, it definitely because from from all. Accounts he he do you know I know he's got the petulant school you know rich kid sort of thing going on or whatever else but he does seem to be a well liked and respected sort of guy of his own right you know when you read various journals and listen to people's opinion on him as a as a as a man as opposed to a driver so it was interesting to see him completely lose the rag like he did getting out of the car and flinging the steering wheel halfway across the garage so you know there's something going on there in the background for sure. And then the uh, the trainer getting I don't know maybe the trainer said you know that's the sixty eight time that someone's thrown a steering wheel out of a Formula One car so maybe that maybe that's what's in it. <laughs> in which 60, case he's going to hit him harder. Good Lego. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's deadly. On that note, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Richard Carney bye Robert thanks a million Austin is in two weeks time we'll catch up after that cheers guys Take care. Bye.